to pray about is a God who saw us before we were ever in being. And he said, there's going to be sin in those folks' life. And I'm going to send my son down on that old earth. I'm going to send my son to bring salvation to people that do not deserve it. People that are enemies of him. People that have walked away from him. People that were stained with sin. And yet he said, I love those folks so much that I'm going to go down there in the form of my son and I'm going to have him sacrifice on the cross. I'm going to have him suffer and bleed and die just so they will be able to have received justification through his blood to receive salvation because he says, you know, I love them so much. That's an awesome God that we serve. The God who controls the wind and the waves. The God who, the Bible says, stores up rain and snow and, and delivers it when it's needed. The one who can control the storms. The one who tells the lightning to strike. But more than that, the one who knows the very hairs on our heads. The one who knows us inside and out. The one who created us. And yet he still loves us. That's the awesome God. That's the awesome Son of God that we have come to worship today. He demonstrated his love, did he not? <laughs> While we were yet sinners, he died for us. There is no greater love in the history of love than that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. <laughs> Not a big enough word, but we thank you anyway for sending your son to die on the cross. We thank you that you loved us so much that you want to spend eternity with us. So thankful for that, God. So thankful for your son, Jesus. So thankful that the gospel that was relevant back then is still relevant today. So thankful, Father, that you're still in the business of drawing people to yourself. I'm so thankful you're in the business of your Holy Spirit convicting people of sin. I'm so thankful, Father, that you're still in the business of, of salvation to people that do not deserve it. Father, we come today to worship you today. So, God, we, we pray for that. We pray that every, every heart and every mind will be focused on you today. Father, I'm asking you to hide me behind your cross. Father, I'm asking you to stretch your hand out, Father. Touch my mouth and put your words into my mouth. Father, we thank you for that. Looking forward to what you have for us today, Lord. In your holy and precious name, I ask these things. Amen. We'll be in Matthew if you want to turn there. Matthew is one of the first books of the New Testament, okay? Matthew, Mark, and I'm trying to think of the third one. Oh, yeah, there he sits back here. I, 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 <laughs> Luke. <laughs> Matthew 5 is where we will be. Valentine's Day is coming up. 
Our banquet of Valentine's is coming up. Valentine's Day, the day that we express love to uh, our family and we express love to our friends. It's the day where a box of chocolates means more than it does for any other day of the year. It's the day that they say over a billion cards and letters are sent related to that day. I better get on the stick and make it a billion and one. I haven't got there yet. <laughs> it's a day of love. It's a day to express love. It is a day that is big business. Love is in the air, they say, on Valentine's Day. And that's a good. It needs to be. But what does the Bible say about love? What is what is? It says of, of God and His love. The title of the message today is Love. Do I have to? Yeah, we, we chuckle on that, but do I have to? We'll see here in just a minute. We know in 1 John 4, 8, the Bible says God is love. We know in John three sixteen, for God so loved in Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated His love. 1 John three sixteen, we know love by this, that the Lord laid down His life for us. Matthew twenty two thirty seven says, We shall love the Lord thy God with all of our heart and our soul and our mind. And we know those verses. We've heard those verses. We read those verses. We've even memorized some of those verses. But the question is, how do we apply those verses how do we we show love as a christian uh and in many times to people that uh, don't think like we do don't believe like we do how do we put some meat on that bone of love as we live our lives out i mean we can know all the verses but we've got to be able to apply those verses. And that's where the title of the message comes from, love. Do, do I really have to? Hmm. We'll see in the Sermon on the Mount, that's where we're going to be today in, in, in uh, Matthew 5, that Jesus is, uh, doggone it, he sets the bar so high of how we are to love other people. I mean, he sets it really high. And, and, and I personally wish he hadn't set it so high. It would be so much easier to reach the bar that he would have set if he would have just lowered it just a hair. Because his teaching on love and loving others and relationships, it's, uh, it's a little more than I want to have to deal with some days. But we know God's Word is true. And we know what God, God says in His Word. And we know the things that Jesus speaks comes directly from the Father. And we know whatever He says and whatever He has called us to do, we know it is part of God's perfect plan for us. God knows how we are to love. He knows how we are to act. And He has set that bar way up there. Do we, can we reach it? Do we, will we try to reach it? Do you even want to reach it? Is kind of maybe the question that we're going to look at today. So let's look at 
Uh, Matthew 5, we'll start in verse 43 there. And uh, we'll just read uh, through 47, I think, yeah. And then we'll come back and see what, what uh, he has for us. In verse 43, he says, And you have heard it that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Jesus says, love your enemies, oh boy, and pray for those who persecute you. Really? 45. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Wow. Let's see what he has to say for us. And I want to remind you again that a perfect God has a perfect plan for us. And as he instructs us to love those who are not lovable. We see in verse 43, it says, you shall love, you've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. Okay. Jesus said, yeah, he said, I know what, what, what goes on in your little world, uh, Jewish people. He says, I I know what you do. The, the, the theory or the, the concept behind that in your world, Jewish people is that you will just, you will love the Jew. You will love your family member. You'll love those are, that are very lovable. But anybody that doesn't look like you, think like you, doesn't want to be a part of your, your, your gathering, the thought is, and that society was, just go ahead and, and hate them. Love those folks that you want to love, but it's okay, they say, to hate those that you want to just hate. Despise those, not be a part of those. And Jesus said, I've... I've even heard it. <laughs> I've heard it said. That's why he says it. I've heard this. And I know the thinking behind that. And yet in these verses we find that's not what Jesus will say. And maybe we kind of have sometimes the same thoughts. I mean, there's, there's folks that are a lot more lovable than others. I know that. And you know that. And do we really take the time to follow his teachings laid out in his word? Well, well, we'll find out. Do we really have to love? Well, let's look at this. Uh, I think there's three practical things that we can pull from this, this chapter in, the, in these verses about how can we, how can we show love? What, is, what does Jesus say about us as we are called to love other people, to love one another? We see the first thing in verse 44. And this is right off the bat, bang, it hits you right between the eyes, doesn't it? But I say to you, love your enemies. Well, I wonder who is that? Who is your enemy? Is it, uh, is it the Russians? <laughs> is it the Chinese? Uh, yeah, well, maybe. I don't know. But in that verse, I believe he's talking about Relationships. He's talking about the, the, the way that we interact with people. And we know sometimes relationships sometimes go south for the winter. Sometimes relationships are broken. Sometimes people just rub you the wrong way. 
Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe you rub people the wrong way. Maybe people uh, have made your life more difficult than it really needs to be. We know some of those kind of folks, don't we? Maybe someone has done you wrong. Maybe they have said something. Maybe they've done something, and uh, you didn't like it. You didn't agree with it, and it's just like, boy, they've they've messed up there and they've wronged me. And man, I just I just I'm not going to deal with that. Maybe it's a boss that you have. Maybe he's hard to get along with. Maybe it's a coworker that you just can't see eye to eye with. Maybe maybe that's who it is. Maybe you just don't get along with them. And you kind of just go, you just kind of shun them. Maybe it's a friend that's become an ex. Maybe it's a spouse who's become an ex. Because that relationship has been broken for whatever, whatever reason. Maybe it's somebody in your family where you just don't mesh very well. And heaven forbid, maybe it's somebody in the church. Maybe it's somebody in the church that you don't see eye to eye with. Maybe it's somebody in the church that, that you come every Sunday and you sing Amazing Grace and what a friend we have in Jesus. But yet you refuse to sit on the same pew with them. You refuse to sit on the same side of the church of them. And the Bible says God is love. We see what God did on the, on the cross by sending his son and yet... In our pride, in our arrogance, we refuse to love somebody in a church setting. The Bible says we are to love one another. I believe one of the reasons why we are called to love one another is that I believe God wants us to see people the way he sees people. He wants us to be able to look at somebody and see how he sees them. Because we know every human being, and here is a major point. Every human being, no matter how good they are, how nice they are, or how mean they are, or how despisable and how unloving they are, every person has a soul. And no matter what they have done to you, or matter what you have done to them, the Bible says God loves them. And that God wants them to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in their life. But when we hate and we despise and we do not love and we do not love those whose relationships we have broken, we don't see people that way. We don't see people that they, they need a Savior. We don't see people that if they are not changed from the inside out, if their soul has not changed because they never gave their life to Christ, then we know that that person one day will be separated from Him forever and forever. We must get to the point in our lives we, we, we drop the pride and we drop the arrogance and we begin to love like Jesus tells us to love. To love those whose relationships have been broken. And I would say this, life is too short to live that way. Life is too short to live that way that we do not see people like God wants us to see them. 
my human nature says, <laughs> I don't want to do that. My thought process says, I don't want to do that. I, I choose to be bitter. I choose to be angry. I choose to, to want bad to come to many of those folks. And when we allow bitterness to spring up in our lives, there is no place for love to grow. That is biblical. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says it this way. This is God's word speaking to us. And he says here in these verses, he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be removed from you along with all malice. I mean, that's not a suggestion, boys and girls. That is God's word speaking to us. Get rid of the bitterness and the anger and the wrath and the clamor and the slander we speak. And the malice that says, I hope, I hope they rot. But then the next part of the verse, look what it says. But be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. That's a powerful verse. When it comes to are we willing to love other people, do I really have to love them? You know, there's no room in a Christian's life for revenge and hatred and hurt. There's no room for that. If we keep that, that's on us and not on him because that's not biblical. And I thought about a couple examples about, about, about who could do that, who could love that way, who could love those enemies, who could love those, those where those relationships are, are broken and who wants to humbly submit? And, and the first one, obviously, is it's a no-brainer. There's Jesus. I mean, that's a no-brainer. I mean, here he is hanging on a cross, and what does he tell those folks? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And, you know, you, and you think about that, and you go, well, he's, you know, he's deity. He's God. I mean, he, obviously, he can do that. He should have done that, and he did that. So then I thought about Stephen, ordinary Stephen. Stephen was a deacon in his church. Stephen was a born-again believer. Stephen loved the Lord. And when Stephen started telling others about Jesus and preaching in the churches, they didn't like it. And the Bible says they took him outside up on a hill and they, they stoned him to death because of his stand if he had any, any inkling of bitterness, that would be the time to have it. Because here they're falsely accusing him, making fun of him, and now they're throwing rocks at him to hurt him, to kill him. And as the rocks are coming and, and the pain, is, he's getting hit in the face and, the, and his body, he says, Father, do not hold this against them. You see, that was a man who was saying that. That is a man just like you and I of human flesh that when, when the enemies of the, his life came upon him, what does he say? He says, don't hold it against them. You see, both Jesus and Stephen saw mankind like they really are. That they are people with a soul who needs a Savior. He saw them as a sinner who needs a Savior. 
And if they didn't get that Savior in this life, he knew and they knew that they would be separated from holy God forever and forever. And because they had such love in their hearts, they had such obedience and submission to holy God in their life, they were able to say those kind of things. Father, forgive them. Father, don't hold that against them. Because, you see, they weren't worried so much about themselves. They are worried about, about the hearts of people and of mankind. And I suggest to you that is the kind of love that we are to have when we deal with people in relationships. That word there in, in, uh, in 44, it says, love your enemies. Jesus uses the word love, and it, and it, and it comes from the derivative of agape love. Agape love. Agape love is the kind of love that, that God has for us. A love that is uh, unconditional. You see, God, when, and Jesus, when he uses that word, he knew that as a, as a human being, it would be impossible for you and I to really have affection for somebody that is really in opposition of us or maybe an enemy. He knew that. That's filio love. So Jesus took it one step further and said that the love that you are to have for those folks is agape love. Agape love demonstrates kindness. Agape love demonstrates benevolence. Agape love uh, wishes the best for somebody even though they might be in opposition to you. Agape love cares for others even though they might be a broken relationship. Agape love says, I want to give to them. Agape love says, I want to work, and my desire is, is not for revenge in those situations, but the betterment for those people that we have come crosswise with. And I'm here to tell you that as human beings, you can't do that. In your own strength, in your own abilities, you ain't going to be able to do it. But agape love says, this is, God says, this is my kind of love. This is my love. You can't stir it up enough to love folks with agape love. You can with affection, filio, but you can't with agape. Agape love only comes because God will supply that to you. Agape love comes because you choose to love that way. Agape love comes because you have submitted to holy God in your life. And you want to be obedient to holy God in your life. And you want to love like, like Jesus loves. And when that is your desire to love people that are unlovable, the Bible will tell you, I will give you that kind of love. That is almost a supernatural kind of love. Because mankind cannot, cannot strum that up. Only God can give that to you. And he will give that to you only because you have a submissive and obedient heart. You choose God's help to be able to love like that. That's the only way that you'll be able to love your enemies. That's the only way you'll be able to love those who have broken relationships through you. You won't have affection for them, but you will have God's love pouring through you. And that is the only way you'll be able to love those who are in opposition to you. Second thing I want to show you from these verses 
It says, I, got, I think Jesus would tell he wants us to bless those who curse you. Bless those who curse you. Those folks that rant at you. Proverbs 15.1 says this, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. When people are at you, when people are in your face, when people are ranting at you, I suggest you don't rant back. I suggest you just kind of just keep your mouth shut. I suggest because when you start when you start ranting back at a ranter, things will come out of here that shouldn't come out. Things that will be coming in here that shouldn't be in here like bitterness and revenge and hatred and harm. Those things will start coming in and not going out. I thought of Christ and how he responded when he was being cursed when they were ranting at him, when they had arrested him and, and they were lying about him and making all kinds of stories up and, and, and hitting on him and spitting on him and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you don't, you don't read that he was fighting back. I mean, he did, you know, he said, I could call 10,000 angels if I needed to, but I'm not going to. And how did Jesus respond when they were lying about him and making fun of him and pulling his beard and all that kind of stuff? The Bible says he spoke quietly a few times. But most of the time he just kept quiet. You see, a soft answer turns away anger. But a harsh word kind of just stirs it back up, the Bible says. That is a word that we need to remember. I, I, I learned how, I'm not good at it, I'm not perfect at it, but I learned how to, how to not speak when somebody is kind of getting after you a little bit when I was refereeing basketball. And they, uh, people, number one, they would yell at you, and you just kind of go, yeah, just block it out. Well, the referee called timeout, and he said, come here, Don, I want to talk to you. And he's just yapping at you, and he, he's, got, he's got 60 seconds, and he's going to use every minute of it. And he's going to talk at you, and he's going to yap at you, he's going to tell you how bad you are. And I learned not to, not to return comments at that point. I learned just to sit there and listen Nod my head. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, okay. And I learned that if I speak back to him, that all it's going to do is escalate him. His voice will get a little louder. It's going to get a little more forceful. But if I just sat there and just listened, things went so much better. Let him get it off his chest. Let him move on. And I think that's what God's Word is telling us, is to bless those that curse you. Take a soft answer. Take a soft reproach. Because when you come back at a ranter, all you're going to do is escalate everything. It's going to get worse, and that will not, and that will not show the love of Christ in you. I would say be careful about that. James 1, 19 and 20 says this. And this is a great verse that ties in with that. But he says, Brethren, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to to anger for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God quick to hear slow to speak slow to anger bless those that curse you the third thing I think we can apply here in our lives as we deal with loving other folks is I believe we need to pray for those who have wronged us let me, let me hit that one again. 
We pray for those who have wronged us. We take them to the Lord in prayer. Oh, man, I don't want to do that. Yeah, I know. But you see, when you begin praying for somebody, and you take it to the Lord and go, Lord, I I really don't want to pray for them. I really don't. And you know my heart, Lord. But your word tells me that I'm supposed to. So I'm going to. I want to be obedient to your Father. I want to do what you tell me to do. So, God, I am going to pray for them. God, I'm going to pray, Father, that, uh, uh, that, that they will be nice. Father, I'm, I'm going to pray that, God, you would forgive them. Father, I'm going to pray that you'd forgive me if I had any part in this, in this breakup of this relationship. Father, forgive me. I'm going to pray, Father, if they've not been born again, Father, I'm asking you to bring salvation to them. Father, draw them. Holy Spirit, convict them. Jesus, save them. I'm going to pray, pray for that. And then I'm going to pray that there would be peace one day, reconciliation between me and that other person. That's how you pray. I don't think you pray, God, show them your wrath, God. <laughs> Thump them on the head, God. God, just bring disaster into their lives. I don't believe that's godly. But I believe it is godly to say, Father, forgive them or forgive me for what I've done in that relationship. Father, bring salvation to them. And Father, I'm praying for peace no matter what. I want to do what you want me to do. Bring me, bring reconciliation in that broken relationship. And he says, man, that is, that's another way of of loving on your enemy. If we are to love your enemy, if we're going to bless those who curse us, if we're going to pray for those, we have to do it through agape love, through God's love that he's called us to do. You see, when I've, and I've learned this. I've learned something here in the past, that when you pray for somebody by name that you are sideways with, I'm just telling you, Bitterness will leave you when you take their name to the Lord. You will not have those feelings anymore once you begin taking them to the Lord. When you pray for that unlovable person, something is going to happen inside of you. Something's going to happen to your heart. Your heart will become softer towards them. The bitterness will leave, the revenge will leave. One time, I don't know, two times, maybe three times, a month of praying, I don't know. But God will change your heart when you pray for somebody else. 1 John 4, 7 says this, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. For love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Why does he want us to love the unlovable? Why does he want us to try to reconcile, to love our enemies, those who persecute us, it says there? I'm going to give you some verses. This is not me. This is, this is God's Word speaking. Did you know love is proof that you've been born again? Love is proof absolute proof that you are, are a believer you want to know am I a believer do you love folks 
First John is filled with those kind of verses. First John four twenty says this: If someone says, "I love God and hates his brother," he's a liar. That's God's word. That's not me. That's his. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. You say you love your brother and hate your, hate hate you love God but you hate your brother. The Bible says <laughs> you're a liar. That's kind of harsh words. First John three twenty three says this. This is his commandment that we believe in the name of his Son Jesus Christ. Yes. And love one another just as he has commanded us. He's commanded us to love one another. First John 3.10. By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. <laughs> Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor the one who does not love his brother. The Bible says it's obvious who the children of God are. By, they, by the way they love. Love makes a person more Christ-like. Did you know that? When we love our enemies, bless those that curse us. When we pray for, for others, that is forming us, shaping us to be more like His Son, Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you want to believe this or not, but we are called to look like Him. We are called to act like Christ. We are called to react like Christ. We are called to speak. We are called to love like Him. We are called to forgive like Him. And when we do, the Bible says He is beginning to shape us and to mold us into a person that looks like Christ and reflects like Christ, has the same light <laughs> of Christ, so that when a dark world sees the way you live and sees the way you love, they'll know something is up. And that's a great thing. Love sets us apart from other people. It's not natural to love like Jesus has asked us to love. There's nothing natural about it. We have those natural tendencies not to do that. We'd rather get revenge and, 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 and hurt and say things and have the bitterness. But see, God's love sets us apart. We are set apart. We have to be that way. And when we are, and this is a beautiful thing, when we are, when we allow God to shape us and to love folks that are unlovable, and, and, you, and you're cruising along there and something happens and, and you uh, react like Christ would react. And people will go, how can you act like that? I've been asked that before. How, do, how can you act like that? Because you see, in their mind, it's going, that, is, that makes no sense. That makes no sense to love folk. It makes no sense to forgive people. How do you do that? And you know what that does? That just opens the door. And when they open the door like that, you kick the door down and say, hey, let me tell you about why I can do that. Let me tell you how I can love and forgive like that. And it's because of who lives with inside of me. It's because I've given my heart and life to Jesus. That's why I can do that. I can love. I can react. I can act. That's how. That's how I can love with agape love. Because I can't do it myself. 
then you tell them about it. That's what it means to be a Christian, to be able to do those kinds of things. God is love, and He wants you and I to be love. Not, a, not an easy standard. The, the, the mark is high. The challenge is there, Christian. Do you choose to live as He tells us to live in love with those folks that our relationships have been broken? You know, that for the true believer, there's going to be people that are not going to like you. And, and I'm afraid to say this, but, but we and I both know the way the world is going today, the way there's so much anti-Christianity uh, out there, so much um, uh, hatred for the things of God. And maybe we haven't seen it here in Arapahoe, but, but we read about it in the papers and see it on Facebook and this just... This idea that, that uh, it's okay to mock God and make fun of Him and Christians. And there's going to be more haters coming in the world. And Jesus said, what about that? He says, love those who become your enemies. He says, those that are going to curse you, those are going to mock you and make fun of you. What does He say? Go ahead and bless them. For those that... Uh, uh, want to wrong you, what does he say? He says, pray for him. Pray for him. You see, that's practical things that we can do as believers is to, is to love on people and bless them and not curse them and, and, and want good to happen to them as we pray for them. Because you see, we are to see people like God sees people. Saved? Yes. Not saved? Nope. But I want them to be saved. We serve an amazing God. My human nature tells me I'm not going to do that. My human nature says it's just too hard. Human nature says that bar has been set too high. And it has been set high. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to give you, read you a verse here, four, James 4, 7. You all might be mad at me after this verse because I, <laughs> I've tried to share the truth with you, what God's Word says to you. James 4, 7 says this. Therefore, the one who knows the right thing to do but does not do it, to him it is sin. The one who knows the right thing to do but does not do it, to him it is sin. I have tried to the best of my ability through God to tell you what his word says about loving your enemies, blessing those, praying for those folks. So if you didn't know, now you know. <laughs> okay? Now you know. So if you're going to be mad at me, that's okay. Because all I want to do is preach his word. And tell you what it says. I pray today that as we come close to Valentine's Day, the day of love, love is in the air, you bet. I, I, I hope that every day is, in a sense, spiritually Valentine's Day. <laughs> okay? 
that we choose to be obedient to God's Word. We choose to be submissive to His Word. We choose to read His Word, and as the Holy Spirit directs us, we go, okay, that's hard. Jesus said, yeah, I know it is. And in your own strength, you can't. But He would tell you, through me, shaping your heart, through your obedience, you can do this. You can love those who are unlovable. You can forgive those who are unforgivable. Because he would say, look what I did. Look what I did. Look how I showed my love. I came and died for you. And we can't love somebody that is different than us? I hope not. As we begin our invitation time, Trish. hard message in a sense and I and I think you know my heart I just we need, we need more loving in this world <laughs> okay we need the kind of love that Jesus is speaking about in his word that a kind of agape love yeah it will remove bitterness from us and anger and revenge from us but it's not all about us it's all about Him. That we live a life that chooses to glorify Him. We live a life that is obedient to Him and submissive to Him. And we allow Christ to live in our hearts so that the world can see that there is a different way to live. That there really is, we don't have to live in darkness. You can live in the light. And the light is Jesus. As we bow our heads and close our eyes. If God has convicted you of something, I would ask you to do business with him right now. Not my conviction, the Holy Spirit conviction. If he's convicted you, make it right. Don't put it off till tomorrow because tomorrow never comes. Do it now. Today is the day of salvation. Today, today is the day of forgiveness. Today is the day of cleansing. Let God work in your heart if you would. As the piano plays, you pray.